So being able to quote unquote stand alone means that other disciplines have discharged and occupational therapy can still continue on by itself. And this is what makes occupational therapy services different from home health aid or nursing aid services. So because occupational therapy is considered a skilled service, just like skilled nursing, physical therapy, and speech therapy, we are able to stand alone per se in a plan of care. However, if someone only needs like home health aid services, which CMS does not consider to be a skilled service under their formal definition, then the patient no longer qualifies for coverage under the home health benefit and they would need to hire private help. Hi, I'm Clarice Grody and welcome to the Amplify OT podcast. I'm an occupational therapist by trade and a policy wonk by choice. This podcast is here to help you survive and thrive in the U.S. healthcare system through a better understanding of policy, advocacy, and value-based care. So, Let's dive in. Hey, hey, and welcome to the Amplify OT podcast. It's Clarice, and I am here to answer a question that I actually received twice in the last 24 hours, which is how many visits does another qualified practitioner have to complete before OT can stand alone in home health? Now, I know I've touched on this subject before on whether or not occupational therapy is a qualifying discipline in home health, but I don't know how much detail I went in about this kind of specific scenario of how many visits are needed before OT can stand alone. I will go ahead and review what a qualifying service is in this episode, but before I do that, I want to point out two resources for you. One is I do have an article and a quick YouTube video on whether or not OT is a qualifying service, and I will link that in the show notes for you. Two, I have a free home health podcast guide, and I will probably be adding this podcast to it once it's published that you can download completely for free. So you just enter your email, and then I send you the home health podcast guide, and it's basically I have both a Spotify list of home health podcast episodes, some of mine and some of others, and then I also just have like a, the PDF lists, all of my home health podcasts, articles, those sorts of things. And if you're an Amplify OT member, then you have access to my Oasis training, my Section GG training, and also I have an entire lesson just on home health reimbursement and policies, specifically those that are impacting OT are in that lesson, part of module two of the Mastering OT Policy and Medicare. So those are additional resources that you have in addition to this podcast episode. So without further ado, let's talk about qualifying service. So when I say a qualifying service, I mean that a patient has to receive or be eligible for certain services in order for Medicare to agree to cover those services under the Medicare Part A home health benefit. Now these qualifying services are listed in a number of places, but in the chapter seven Medicare benefit policy manual, which is the home health chapter, Section 30 is the conditions patient must meet to qualify for coverage of home health services, and under that they list the qualifying requirements, which are that the patient must be confined to the home, right, that's that homebound status, they must be under the care of a physician or allowed practitioner, receiving services under a plan of care established and periodically reviewed by a physician or allowed practitioner, be in the need of skilled nursing care on an intermittent basis or physical therapy or speech language pathology, or have a continuing need for occupational therapy. 
Now, this is what can get people tripped up, right? Because you'll notice that it didn't have a qualifier before the intermittent need for physical therapy and speech language pathology, which if you're wondering what intermittent means, it basically means like not daily. So if someone needs like daily skilled care, that's where they should be in a skilled nursing facility versus intermittent shouldn't have to be daily. So it can be once a week, twice a week, whatever, but it shouldn't be daily skilled care needs. So this has been an issue since the 80s, since the home health prospective payment system was even initially conceived and developed. It all had to do primarily with some of the lack of licensure of occupational therapists at the time, but also a misunderstanding of our role. It was assumed that if OT was a qualifying service, that it would increase costs because of an increased need for home health aid services, which just shows how much advocacy still needed to be done because we know that occupational therapy services decrease the need for nursing aids versus increasing the need. And this was back in the day when patients were getting like five days a week of home health aid services, which is not the reality anymore. But the continuing need for occupational therapy is mentioned because occupational therapy is a qualifying service for recertification. So in home health, there are certification periods and these are 60 days. So even though you get paid every 30 days under PDGM, the certification lasts 60 days. So every 60 days you have to complete an OASIS and recertify that the patient is still eligible for home health services. So even though OT is not a qualifying service at the start of care, so the very start of the episode, we are a qualifying service for the recertification, which is what people mean when we say that occupational therapy can stand alone. So being able to quote unquote stand alone means that other disciplines have discharged and occupational therapy can still continue on by itself. And this is what makes occupational therapy services different from home health aid or nursing aid services. So because occupational therapy is considered a skilled service, just like skilled nursing, physical therapy, and speech therapy, we are able to stand alone per se in a plan of care. However, if someone only needs like home health aid services, which CMS does not consider to be a skilled service under their formal definition, then the patient no longer qualifies for coverage under the home health benefit and they would need to hire private help. So that is something that specifically differentiates us between home health aides along with others in the home health benefit. Now, again, as always, it's worth putting this disclaimer in that these policies apply to Medicare Part A patients. There may be different policies for Medicaid, for commercial insurances, and for Medicare Advantage where OT may be a qualifying service at the start of care without any other discipline involved. So Again, this is specific to Medicare Part A benefit. It may be different for other insurers. So it's always worth double checking whether or not other policies have different procedures. All right, so let's dive into the policy. Here's a specific question that I received from Lucia and from Karen. So thank you so much, guys, for reaching out to me through Amplify OT. So the question reads somewhat like this. Is there any guidance for how many visits another discipline has to make before OT can stand alone on a Medicare home health patient? For example, if the referral comes over for physical therapy and the PT does the eval and adds OT in, then pulls out immediately or says their eval is then one visit, leaving OT only in, is that okay? And the answer to that question is yes. So I've perused the regulation a number of times looking for specific guidance, 
And CMS does not specify that there has to be a certain number of visits in order for the patient to be qualifying, because technically, especially due to LUPAs, which are your low utilization thresholds, you only need to provide one billable visit in order to be reimbursed under Medicare for the home health benefit. So as long as one billable visit is provided by a qualified discipline, you are okay to stand alone as the occupational therapy practitioner, as the OT services, because the patient has already met eligible criteria, as long as they meet, you know, of course, all the other criteria like being homebound, et cetera, et cetera. And CMS does clarify in section 70.2, subsection B, that one visit may be covered each time a home health agency employee or someone providing a home health service under arrangements with the home health agency enters the patient home and provides a covered service to a patient who meets the criteria. So that's what I mean by a billable service. So as long as the PT or nurse or speech therapist provides a covered visit, so they provided a skilled, covered, reasonable and necessary service to that patient for one visit, then they have met the qualifying criteria as long as they meet the other criteria in that section 30 that we talked about before. Now, the next question that tends to go along with these types of questions is whether or not it matters what order the therapies go in in order to qualify for home health. So can an OT go in before the PT or speech therapist if it's a therapy-only case to initiate the OASIS, or does it have to be started by PT or speech, and does CMS have a preferred order? And there are lots of myths around this, and so right after this quick break, I will tell you the answer. Are you ready to take your occupational therapy practice to the next level? Then look no further than the Amplify OT membership. You heard that right. Amplify OT has its very own membership program. This membership is designed to help occupational therapy practitioners just like you stay informed about the latest developments in Medicare and advocacy. You will have exclusive access to resources, webinars, the Mastering OT Policy and Medicare course, Q&A sessions, plus the ability to DM me your questions and get answers fast. But of course, that is not all. As a member, you'll be part of a community of like-minded occupational therapy practitioners who are share their expertise and offer support. So by joining the Amplify OT membership, you'll be able to stay up to date on the latest Medicare regulations and guidelines, learn how to advocate for your patients and your profession, connect with other OT practitioners and students to share your knowledge, and you'll have access to those exclusive resources and webinars so you can reach your full potential as an OT provider. So don't miss out on this opportunity to take your practice to the next level. Sign up for the Amplify OT membership today by going to the link in the show notes or amplifyot.com forward slash membership. Don't forget to stay informed and be the change that you want to see in our healthcare system. Today's episode is proudly sponsored by MedBridge, your go-to resource for advancing your occupational therapy career and, of course, getting those necessary CEUs. If you are passionate about staying at the forefront of our field and enhancing your skills, MedBridge is a comprehensive solution. With a MedBridge subscription, you gain access to an extensive library of high-quality live and recorded courses led by industry experts. So stay up to date with the latest advancements in occupational therapy, explore evidence-based practice, and enhance your clinical skills. One reason that I really like and recommend MedBridge is because they have both intervention-based courses and policy and reimbursement-based courses, and that is a rare find in a CEU company. 
But here's the best part for our OT amplifiers community. If you use the promo code AMPLIFYOT at checkout, you'll unlock an exclusive 40% discount on your MedBridge subscription. Yes, you heard that right, 40% off with the code AMPLIFYOT, that's A-M-P-L-I-F-Y-O-T. This is a fantastic opportunity to save some money, elevate your practice, and support Amplify OT. So don't miss out on this chance to supercharge your professional development and head over to medbridge.com, use the promo code AmplifyOT, and enjoy the benefits of MedBridge while also supporting AmplifyOT and all the free resources that we produce here, like this podcast. So again, head to medbridge.com, use the code AmplifyOT at checkout, and we also have the link for you in the show notes. And we are back. I hope you're starting to have some policy fun because I got a nice coffee and I'm ready to get into this policy with you. All right, so many believe that CMS has a preferred order of who completes the OASIS or who goes to see the patient first. In fact, I actually found this very guidance from my home health company that I worked for as a new grad where in their training materials, they listed out a preferred order that was supposedly from CMS on who should complete the first visit. And they were wrong. Just going to lay that out. Now, of course, the only byline or asterisk to that is that under the law, if nursing is on the plan of care, then the skilled nurse has to complete the OASIS. But if it's a therapy-only case where there is no nursing ordered, then it does not matter who completes the start of care OASIS, especially now that it is fully law that occupational therapists can initiate and complete the comprehensive start of care assessment. And I also have an article on that in Amplify OT where I quote documents from the conditions of participation, and I will link that in the show notes for you as well. Because as you and I know, anytime we have the policy in hand, it's going to be a more effective advocacy opportunity. So as one does, I was perusing the OASIS-E guidance manual, and I happened to stumble upon this one paragraph and it is on page 239 of the OASIS e-guidance manual, which is a free manual from CMS that talks about this specific issue as to whether or not the order of visits matters. And here's what it says. Finding this in the OASIS e-guidance manual then led me to check out chapter seven to see if it was listed there as well, and it is. If you pull up the benefit policy manual today, it's on page 33, but it is on section 30.2.11, sequencing of qualifying services and other Medicare-covered home health services. Sounds like the right place to look for me. So this was implemented on January 11th of 2021, and it reads, I quote, Once patient eligibility has been confirmed and the plan of care contains physician or allowed practitioner orders for the qualifying service as well as other Medicare-covered home health services, the qualifying service does not have to be rendered prior to the other Medicare-covered home health services ordered in the plan of care. Now, before I keep reading the rest of the quote, let's translate that piece real quick. Basically, what this is saying is that Once the eligibility has been confirmed, so basically once the physician orders eligible services for home health, then that qualifying service, meaning skilled nursing, PT, speech therapy, does not have to be delivered before other Medicare-covered home health services that are ordered in that plan of care, which could include occupational therapy or home health aid visits. So here's the rest of the paragraph. 
The sequence of visits performed by the disciplines must be dictated by the individual patient's plan of care. For example, for an eligible patient in an initial 60-day certification period that has both physical therapy and occupational therapy orders in the plan of care, the sequence of the delivery of the type of therapy is irrelevant as long as the need for the qualifying service is established prior to the delivery of other Medicare-covered services and the qualifying discipline provides a billable visit prior to the transfer or discharge in accordance with 42 CFR 409.43 subsection F, which the 42 CFR is referring to the federal regulation, which are the conditions of participation. And this is the fun part about policy, right? Is subsections of subsections. It just, you know, it's a lovely little wormhole. But the good news is, is that I have my red little tour guide flag to help lead you through the woods or the weeds, as other policy nerds would say. So again, this is CMS very specifically clarifying that the order of the therapy visits is irrelevant. So this is what you can utilize to justify why occupational therapy should be the ones completing the OASIS start of care. So even if PT is ordered, they do not have to complete the start of care OASIS. The OT can still do it. Of course, as I said, this applies in therapy-only cases. Under Medicare regulation, technically speaking, if the skilled nursing is ordered, then the skilled nurse has to be the one to complete the start of care OASIS. Now, some facilities have the nurse go out and complete the comprehensive assessment even if they aren't ordered. Personally, I don't find this the best use of personnel, and I don't think it's the most efficient workflow when you could have other very qualified disciplines perform the start of care OASIS, but that's something to take up within your own agency's workflow. Now, you will notice that this did indicate that the order of visits is irrelevant for the initial 60-day certification period. That being said, what I typically recommend is that the qualifying service, so that being PT, speech therapy, and these therapy-only cases, because we're assuming that if nursing's ordered, they already did their visit, but in therapy-only cases, generally, I recommend, as well as other consultants recommend, that the qualifying service provide at least one visit in that first 30-day episode. And the reason for that is, is because PDGM reimburses in 30-day periods, even though the certification period is 60 days, you probably still want a qualifying discipline to provide a billable visit in the first 30 days of PDGM, just in order to avoid any potential issues um, when audited or being chart reviewed. Now, I will say that there is one additional thing that may make some agencies hesitant to allow OTs to initiate the start of care, and this is in instances where a patient may refuse further care. So if the occupational therapist goes out and completes the OASIS start of care, so they're the very first visit, and then the patient refuses all other services, then the agency may be kind of SOL in terms of their reimbursement because there was not technically a qualified visit that was provided by a qualifying discipline. So just for reassurance purposes, safety, some agencies will not allow the OTs to do the OASIS start of care. I think this is something that we should advocate against and advocate for appropriate use of OTs because I would argue that OTs tend to be one of the most qualified individuals to complete the OASIS start of care because of our expertise in cognition, medication management, vision, incontinence, you know, mobility, self-care, mental health. All the things that are assessed on the OASIS are things that fall into our scope of practice 
pretty easily. So if your agency has adopted a policy not allowing OTs to do the start of care, I would ask them why and educate them on why OT can be very beneficial. And I have some talking points for that in my other Oasis and PDGM podcasts and articles. Long story short, to wrap everything up at the end, the TLDR, to answer these wonderful questions is that as long as the qualifying discipline provides one billable visit, OT can stand alone and continue on for as long as that patient continues to qualify for home health services. So it does not matter what order the visits are in. So OT can do the start of care and PT come in the next week, the next month, whatever, but it does not matter what order and only one billable visit needs to be provided by a qualifying service. So skilled nursing, PT or speech before the OT can quote unquote stand alone and continue on. So even if it's nursing and OT that are ordered, then if the nurse doesn't avow only, the OT can still continue on as long as that nurse provided a skilled nursing visit that's billable. So I hope that helps answer your questions. I hope you're able to use this information to advocate for your important value in home health. We definitely see some concerning trends in home health around the use of occupational therapy, and this certainly isn't helped by the fact that there are payment cuts pending for home health starting in calendar year 2024. So stay tuned for more updates on things like that coming to home health. But I want to have you take away from this that you are empowered with the policies to advocate for your role, to show that CMS does see the value in occupational therapy, and for you to know that you have the information and the knowledge that you need to be an effective occupational therapy advocate and occupational therapy amplifier. All right, as always, let me know if you have any questions. Reach out to me on Amplify OT. Become an Amplify OT member. The link is in the show notes. And you can always send me a question on social media. All right, folks, thanks so much for being here, and I will see you in our next episode. If you made it this far, I want to just take a moment to say thank you so much for listening to the Amplify OT podcast, and I hope you're feeling a little more inspired and prepared to amplify your value and the value of occupational therapy. If you found yourself at any point thinking, gosh, I guess policy isn't that dull and boring, then you're definitely going to love how we talk about policy and advocacy in the Amplify OT membership. There's a link in the show notes where you can sign up today so you can take an immediate next step towards emerging as a confident clinician. And of course, don't forget to follow the Amplify OT podcast so that way you never miss an episode. And you know, while you're there, why don't you go ahead and leave us a five-star review because that's the best way to help others find the podcast too. And of course, thank you so much to Jessica Riccio for editing this podcast and for all of you for giving me a reason to record it. You're now officially part of the OT Amplifier community and you are now prepared to go out there and advocate for OT because remember, if we don't advocate for occupational therapy, then who will?